Hey there, it's Dawn. Welcome to Conversations. Today's guest is April Walker, and she's going to talk about yoga and mindfulness, being present, self-care, all the topics. So I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today we have April Walker. Hi, April. Hi, Dawn. I'm so happy to have you here. So I found April when I was going down my rabbit hole about gua sha and dry brushing and the lymphatic system. And she had a video on and I watched it. I just fell in love with your voice, April. And you were just like so calm. I know you focus a lot on yoga and I haven't done an episode about yoga yet. So I'd really like to delve into it and find out more about it if you are game for that. Absolutely. That's a wonderful, I think it's a wonderful topic. Yoga, yoga is such like a big field that covers so many different things. So it'll be fun to kind of expand it past just what most people think of yoga as. Right. Yeah. Um, And I didn't realize there were so many kinds either. So first of all, tell me how you even got into yoga. What was it that got you to go down that path? I was trying to think really far back in time. I was actually really fascinated by, and this ages me right there, uh, by <laughs> Lilius Folan yoga on PBS a long, long time ago, the 1970s. Okay. I used to watch her on PBS and I thought she was so calm and Zen and fascinating that every time I had a chance to engage with yoga or be in a yoga class or had access to one, I was absolutely ready for it. And then I got pregnant with my first child and took a yoga for prenatal and fell deeper in love with it because it made my pregnancy so much easier and so much more relaxing and solved a lot of the issues that I had come up during my pregnancy. So I just kept going. Oh, that's interesting. How long into your pregnancy did you go doing yoga all the way? All the way up until I think probably eight months. Wow. Do you have to be super flexible to do yoga? Or does Absolutely it not? No. <laughs> oh, good to know. Well, I just saw that you posted one like two weeks ago. You were outside, and by the way, you do not look old at all. You look very young. I I am surprised that you were watching TV in the seventies. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. And so that's what I tried it. I tried yoga one time. I got a DVD or something, and I felt like I was trying to learn. While and so I felt like I was contorting like my neck and stuff, trying to watch what the person was doing and do it at the same time. So I never really got into it, but I do want to get into it because I love how peaceful everybody seems when they do it, and it just seems like a real calming way of stretching. It is, and it's it's a great practice, I think, to for me tapping into mindfulness and presence and really checking in with your body, which I think is. I think my view of yoga as a practice is a lot more, less maybe about flexibility and strength and more about checking in with your body and your breath and seeing where you're at and how you're feeling and really being present in the moment and working with whatever comes up on the mat. And what I say is what you do on the mat prepares for you for how you move out into the world, what all you do out in the world and how you react. And I think for me, it's this place where I kind of almost like workshop my feelings, my thoughts that come up, and I sort of let everything just kind of flow while I'm on the mat. And I think for me, it helps work it out physically because we know that energy sits in the body. It physically sits in the body. So when we move energy, when we shift it by moving, we shift that energy out 
or around so that it makes more sense. And at the end of a practice, you feel like things are maybe more in alignment or you have more perspective or perhaps you see ways to work with it that you wouldn't have if you were in the moment with the energy being really heavy and dense and right there in the moment. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's a practice that just, it brings all that together and it helps me breathe. Because for me at the very beginning, most people don't even think about how they breathe. They don't think about how their breath can change when they're upset or stressed or um, nervous or anxious. And your breath is a great thing to tap into. And yoga melds stretching with breath awareness. So we work with, you know, noticing how your breath is moving in your body. If it's in the center of your chest, which is where a lot of people breathe when they're anxious or stressed. And we try to move it down deeper, lower into the lower diaphragmatic breath, which allows you to breathe the full expanse of your lungs, which in turn helps you feel more calm, more centered, less reactive. And it actually downshifts your nervous system into uh, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that sort of rest, digest, heal, restore, and out of that heightened fight or flight or freeze mode. So Breath melded with that movement is is the really big thing that yoga yeah. does for most people. Well, and it's it is so fascinating because I did another podcast episode about breath work, and we actually did like a demonstration of it and stuff. But you, because your body naturally does it, you don't pay attention to how you're doing it. I'm sure there's times when I've been holding my breath without even realizing it, and then you get that nice exhale, and it's like, wait, have I just not been breathing for like five minutes? Why does that feel so good? It's just like you're not aware of even how you breathe. Yeah. And because your breathing is often like when it's cold or when we're under stress, we curl inward, our shoulders curl inward, our body curls inward. We're actually really suppressing that breath and making it very small. And you'll notice that your breaths are really short and they're really shallow. But when you open your shoulders up and roll your shoulders back and lift your chest forward and up, your breath gets much more expansive and you feel more able to take on the world and do whatever you need to do. Even if it's a really big something coming up that's really stressful, it's less stressful because you now have the breath to support that. Mm. Gosh, that's fascinating. Uh, So you mentioned the energy centers, the chakras. How do you know when you're doing yoga where they are not aligned? How do you know that? It's the weirdest thing. It's it's little things that you... um, probably don't even think about. It's the things Mm -hmm. like maybe you're feeling like right now, this time of year, a lot of people feel very uncertain and anxious. And uh, when the wind blows, you'll feel a little bit more nervous and nervous energy. And that might be, or you'll have a cold that's stuck in the center of your throat and you have like a, a head cold or a throat cold that moves down further into your lungs. Each one of the chakras is kind of aligned with those spaces, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. So if you're struggling from grief, you might be more prone to colds and flu and breath being very tight or constricted. If you are someone who is in a job where you want to say something and you want to speak up, but you feel like you can't, you may find yourself uh, getting throat issues, like things where you uh, have a dry cough or you get a lot of colds that center in your throat, or you may lose your voice. So these things are all centered in each one of those chakras. So it's the little tiny things like you're you're feeling something's not quite right or it's not doing what it 
would normally do, or it just feels off. Mm-hmm. And those, those chakras are related to those spaces of just feeling a little bit off in different areas. And I think the thing for me with yoga is that when you're doing yoga and practicing yoga and you're following the breath, you are more aware of how your body is in the moment. You notice you know, my knee is twinging or my breath is kind of tight today, or my shoulders seem to be really, really tight, or my neck is kind of torqued a certain way. And those are things you can work with physically, but those are also going to help align your energy too. So do you do yoga every day? I do. And then is that your job? Do you teach yoga or? I do full-time. It is my full-time job, my full-time capacity to teach yoga and meditation. Um, and it's also something I do every day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes three times a day. <laughs> wow. And then do you include breath work? Like, is that a, an important component before you even start doing yoga with when you're teaching it? I think I think it is. Um, breath work was traditionally slated to be done after you had achieved a certain proficiency with the poses and the practices. Okay. Um, I think there are, there are some breath work you can always do, like diaphragmatic breathing or three-part breath, that you can make sure you're breathing into the belly, the center of the chest, and the upper chest. Um, some of those basic breaths can be included in a yoga class, but I think it's it's also pranayama or breath practice is also a separate unit, too, that you can practice, which I do every morning, is a separate practice that is all by itself, too. And what is that? Can you explain what that is? That is using different breath practices to help detoxify, cleanse, and oxygenate the body, as well as calm and soothe the nervous system. So I studied with Dr. Prasant Lad, who is the Ayurvedic Institute, and um, his he has a, a very specific methodology of teaching pranayama or breath practice. And so he has you do some basic kind of cleansing or sort of cleaning, um, like you're the base of your lungs. So a lot of times whenever we take a breath, we don't breathe out all the air that was in the bottom of our lungs and it stays there in sort of what we call stagnant air. Mm-hmm. And so we help kind of pull the chest back really strongly. And that helps what he calls throw the air out. So it helps clean out that full stagnant air at the bottom of the lungs so that you can breathe in and fill in fresh, fresh, clean air, fresh oxygenation. And then he has us doing several, uh, I think it's three or four practices that are cleansing and detoxifying. They are also heating, so they warm you up a little bit and kind of warm your body for preparation for the day. And then that's followed by three or four practices that are cooling and soothing and sort of make you a little bit more calm and centered. And those practices sort of help prepare me for my day. And I I always feel like if I don't do them, the day just doesn't flow the same way it should, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really puts you in tune with the day. That's interesting. What about for people that just think that they have absolutely no time to do any of this stuff? Like, is there a quick (laughs) shortcut kind of breath work thing you could do? Maybe, you know, in the same time frame, it would take you to brush your teeth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I always start with breath work with really the really simple, basic thing that you can think about anytime, anywhere you are, even if you're waiting in line at the grocery store or at an appointment or in between calls, you can do just basic mindfulness breath awareness, which is actual breath work, but it's also mindfulness meditation at the same time. And that can take 30 seconds to half an hour, however much time you have. And what you're just going to do is you're just going to pay attention to your breath. You're going to be really aware of where you're breathing in your body, how you're breathing, how it feels, 
what is it shallow is it full is it tight does it feel fast does it feel slow um does it feel smooth or bumpy just noticing the breath just simple awareness of the breath you can do anytime you're doing anything else or in between things and that's a great way to just get into because the minute you start the minute you start paying attention to your breath is the minute you start to regulate it. So if you're thinking about it and you're paying attention to it and you notice that your breath is shallow, you're going to open your shoulders up and you're going to start to try to breathe deeply. It's just a natural reaction. And that just automatically starts to put your body like at ease? It does. It does. It, start, it starts to give you a place to start with. So I can be in traffic and someone will have cut me off and people will be angry and honking and I can feel myself tensing up and I just pull my shoulders back. I take a nice big deep inhale. I notice where my breath is. Make sure it's a deep three-part breath, belly, chest, collarbones. Let it all out through my mouth and then I'm fine. It's, it's almost mm. instantaneous that your shoulders will drop like three inches and your neck will sit back a little bit and you'll be like, it's fine. Everything's fine. And it just takes a couple of those breaths. Oh, I think we all could use that, you know, at some point. Well, like you said, driving, that was the first thing that came to mind. But, you know, any type of, if you're going in, you have to stand up in front of a crowd of people or something or any type of intense situation, just bringing yourself right to the present, paying attention to your body. Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. Um, why are there so many different kinds? Like I know that they do the hot yoga and all that. What's the point of that? Different kinds of yoga, different kinds of yoga. All So a lot of different yogas were started by different people or different okay. people. So it'll have different kinds. So hot yoga would, would originally come from Bikram yoga, which Bikram was a person or is a person. And um, he has a very specific style and a specific way of doing it. A lot of the very traditional yogas are not quite that strict, although Ashtanga is very, it's got a very similar pattern to that. So it's got a very uh, set list of poses and in what order they're supposed to do. But I think a lot of people have been more comfortable with sort of just finding what works for them and moving your body. And so back to the point you said about having tried yoga and really trying to figure out what they're doing and look like what they look like. I really emphasize in my yoga classes that people should be really paying attention to how it feels in your body. How does this pose feel? How does this position feel? How do you feel when you're in a pose? So if you're in a standing pose, how do your feet feel? How do your legs feel? How do you feel? It's not about what you look like. It's definitely about what you feel like and what it does for you. And there'll be poses that you will not love. There'll be poses <laughs> you do love. There'll be poses that your body naturally does that look just like in a picture. And there'll be poses that look nothing like any picture you've ever seen of that pose. But this is your pose and it's your practice and it's your body making that shape. So it's all just about shapes. Okay. And the different kinds of yoga, like I said, are just, there's different styles that focus on some are more active. Some are like power yoga and hot yoga and ashtanga are more heating practices. They're meant to be a little bit, uh, they'll warm the body more. They'll be more stimulating. Then there'll be their counterparts, which would be things like yin and restorative, which are practices that are use support, are mostly ground bound, um, are a little more focused on sort of like being present and mindful. Those you hold for longer 
Oftentimes in the heating practices, you're going to move through poses more quickly. It's going to be more cardio. It's going to be kind okay. of a familiar workout. When you're looking at yin and restorative, you're looking at practices that are more about calming the nervous system and really settling and feeling supported. So I've sort of focused more on those because there are lots of people offering and teaching very cardio-oriented practices. But I think what the world needs is more practices that are calming and soothing and supportive and self-care and self-love oriented. So I focus more on flows that are slower, really paying attention to your movement and also yin and restorative, which are some of my favorite practices. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I really liked about watching the two videos that I saw you you just have a way about you that is calming and you can tell that that's what it's meant to do like if you had a super stressful day that would be a great way to end it <laughs> it's just to to get back into balance before you go to sleep with your thoughts and just you know shake it off basically because I think of it when I hear of hot yoga and all that I think of that as more exercise like going to the gym taking a class like something that you're supposed to be sweaty and really hurting <laughs> hurting yourself so your version looks more calm and like it would be something that I would be more attracted to, even though I probably should be doing something more that's more along the exercise genre. But the idea is that, you know, a lot of people think the same thing. They think, okay, we must be exercising. If I'm not sweating, I'm not achieving anything, but that's actually not true. We know that we've just realized that fascia or connective tissue is an actual organ. We don't want to just ignore it. And it's what ties our entire bodies together. It's what we think may travel everything across from place to place. So your entire body is integrated. It's covered in fascia. It's also, it's integrated into your muscles, into your organs. It's everywhere. It's what we call ubiquitous throughout the body. And when you're doing yin and restorative, what you're doing is really tapping into that fascia or that connective tissue, and you're helping keep it healthy. So when that tissue is stretched just a little bit, so it's not going to stretch a lot, when it's gently added some, some tension to it, mm -hmm. it actually activates and becomes stronger. It produces more water and more water system, and so it becomes more hydrated, so you become more fluid and more movable and more flexible. And we know that keeping your connective tissue healthy and happy keeps you healthy and happy because there's some idea that now potentially a lot of the connective tissue disorders that we have out there are going through the connective tissue. They're getting there through the connective tissue. So we want to keep the connective tissue strong, just like I want to keep our bones strong or our muscles strong. So while there is a wonderful thing about being cardio fit and um, keeping your heart healthy, there's also a really big balance of keeping some of those other tissues just as healthy. And with yin and restorative, you are. You're helping repair and heal and strengthen some of the tissues that don't get quite as much attention when you're doing a cardio class or a strength building class or even you know weight training or a hot yoga class. So there's a balance there. And I think both of them have their place and everybody needs both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I could see why you say that. Are you wanting to hold the pose for as long as you can? Or is it how many like repetitions that you do of the pose? So in a normal class, um, repetitions depend on the teacher. So sometimes you repeat a, a pose or a series of poses a, a few number of times. But when you're looking at yin and restorative, you're, you're taking the pose and you're holding it for 
anywhere from usually two to sometimes up to eight minutes. If you're in restorative, it can be even longer. It can be five to 20 minutes for a pose, but you're using support, using like blankets and bolsters and blocks and pillows to help support that. So you can hold it longer. Restorative, you're letting the pose do all the work for you. It's still working. It's still doing stuff to your body, but you're letting your body relax into it and the supports are going to help you. With yin, you're going to about... 66% of your maximum stretch. So if you're someone who maybe takes a wide-legged forward fold, so you take your legs wide, you're seated upright, and you want to fold forward, um, you can grab onto your feet and pull yourself forward, and that's using some muscle engagement. Or you can just let your body go where it's going to naturally go and just hang out there for anywhere from two to eight minutes. And you're really going to feel that the next day because you've gone not to your ultimate, but you're holding it longer. So in a yin practice, you would not repeat poses particularly. You would have maybe for an hour-long practice, you would have four to six poses. In restorative, in that same hour, you'd have maybe four to five poses. Where in a active classic of vinyasa flow or a power flow, you could have 30 poses. Hmm. Do you, I know that the the mind and the body are connected. When you're doing like this restorative or the yin where people are really in the present moment, really focusing and trying to heal maybe? Like, do they cry? Do people get emotional? Does it bring up emotions? It does. It does. And there's actually, when I first started doing yin, I read a lot about how we hold a lot of our historical emotions in our connective tissue. So when you're working with connective tissue, you may find that you are more emotional and it may be crying or getting, I've had some people get really angry in class when they've been in a pose because it's really stirred something up. And I always refer them back to the little quote from Shrek, better out than in. (laughs) So as As you're moving it out of your body, it's always better to have it out and get it processed than to keep it in there and let it just sit. So people will and have cried or they'll get very emotional. They'll get very still. Um, Sometimes they'll get so agitated, they'll move a lot. And the idea behind yin and restorative is to kind of be still as you can. And I'll Mm -hmm. notice people get really kind of agitated about a minute or two in. And I know that it's working because things are shifting. Energy is shifting. So is it good for people if they're going through grief or depression? Is it good to do yoga? Is it helpful? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a supportive practice because it makes you feel like, number one, you're doing something really loving and sweet and kind and compassionate for yourself. Uh, and, and number two, you're really breathing. So when you are having, you're in a grief state and you're really feeling all that, you tend to breathe less deeply. And so it sort of self-circulates and you end up more grieving and more upset because your breath is really tight and small. So it helps open up your breath. It helps you process it in your own way, in your own time. It gives you space and it holds space for you to process whatever's going on for you. That's your personal, your personal path. And so, yes, absolutely. I really suggest, um, particularly if you're feeling super tender or vulnerable, that yin and restorative and breath practices, meditation, yoga nidra, all are beautiful practices to help, help you feel supported and loved and give you space. Because a lot of times in grief, we need space. Everybody's Mm -hmm. expecting us to move out of it at their pace or, you know, get over it. And grief doesn't have to be just losing someone. It could be losing a job or a home 
or um, just a transition, a friend or anything, anything that you grieve about that is a lost thing. You need space and you need time. And it gives you that space and time to be just with your thoughts and your emotions, which is hard. It is very hard. I think that for me, restorative and yin are harder practices than hot yoga or vinyasa flow or flow because you really have to be, you're, you're just there quietly with your emotions and your thoughts. And that's, that's kind of scary. We're always moving. So, yeah, well, and people are so used to just having their devices at the ready too now. So it's almost like uh, your brain is, it's a habit for your brain just to grab your phone. Anytime you start thinking bad thoughts or, you know, you just want to keep your mind busy. It's like, oh, I'll just scroll the internet. So to have people in a class where they are forced to just sit there, I'm sure it is very uncomfortable for people. It is. But then when you, when you move through it, notice that when you're practicing on the mat, it's a practice again, it's practicing for the real world. It's practicing for going out and grieving outside of the mat, off the mat. And so you're learning the techniques on the mat, the way to feel that sense of centering and quiet and grounding and being held and self-compassion and noticing when you need to take a break or when you need to move away or when you need to call in sick. Say today, I just, I can't. And Mm -hmm. you're tapping into that because you're suddenly aware of how you feel and what you're thinking. You're not looking for diversion. And you're just there with your thoughts and your feelings. And I think mindfulness really folds into that really beautifully and into yoga overall because you become super aware of everything that's going on mentally, emotionally, physically. And by becoming aware, you can fix it. You can change it. You can shift it. Yeah, gosh, that sounds amazing. I really need to get into that. I think I would benefit from it huge just... I think I just didn't understand it. And so I'm thankful that I got to talk to you. Now I I understand it more. It sounds like there's a lot of benefits that I didn't even realize. So what it what um do you ever like achieve? Do you get better still you yourself? Do you do you reach the finale or are you constantly getting improving? I think it's a constant improvement. I I I learned very early on. Um there's a quote from Iyengar where he says um, yoga is not a destination, it's a journey. And it really is a journey that every time I step onto the mat, something new is happening. And that's actually kind of the curiosity and fun of the practice for me is that I step onto the mat and I have the body that I have today in this moment. It may not be what it was yesterday. It may not feel <laughs> the way it was yesterday. My thoughts are different. I may be angry or I may be frustrated. And I step onto my mat and things change. I can get into a pose I couldn't get into, or it feels different for me, or um, I feel stronger today, or I don't feel as strong today. It's it's a constant process, I think. And I think for me, I love that because I like the journey far more than the destination. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just the whole process itself. It's very interesting. So you have your YouTube channel. What's next for you? Do you have any goals? Do you have more studios you want to open or... I actually originally started the YouTube channel um, as a support for my studio that I owned. And then I decided to just move almost everything online. And I have still private students that come to me that have been with me for 10 years now, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And they do private sessions with me each week. Um, I also have the YouTube channel, which I've had for seven years. And then I also have a member site that is, for me, sort of 
everything I ever wanted in a support system and in a studio, I put into a member site. So everything I ever wanted and everything I ever needed, I wanted to make into a member site that would be yoga and meditation and um, healthy living and tips and recipes and book clubs and breath work and all those things that I love so passionately. I wanted to put into a member site. And so the member site is really where I want to focus most of my attention and my awareness right now in my life, I think, moving forward, mm-hmm. building that really supportive connection. So I know everybody on there. I know a little bit about all of them. Some of them I know a lot more about, but I really love the relationships. I like to build the relationships. And I think communities need that, particularly in the world that we live in right now. We need to build supportive communities where you can reach out and say, you know what, I'm going through this. Help me, support me, hold hold space for me. And I want to be that place. I want to be that hold space. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. So are you still taking members or is it closed? <laughs> I am still taking members. I am still taking members. Um, I will be after I fill up to a certain point because I don't want to overfill it. I want to have yep. one and actually really connect with people that will be open and then it opens again. It will close for a short period of time. Then it'll open again in the beginning of the year for a short period of time as well. Uh, because I want to make sure that I know everybody and I get to know sure. everybody on a, on a more personal level. And so it's kind of an ebb and flow, um, but we'll open on and off as I see space forming. Right. But we, we do like weekly meditations and weekly yoga practices and weekly pranayama or breath regulation. So we do a little bit of everything. We even do some sound healing now. So we've added sound healing onto that and um, just expanding that and whatever I come up with that I think I need or want, or I wish I could find somewhere, I'm going to make it happen. I love that. Well, and that's kind of what I'm doing, but the way I do it seems like I have attention deficit disorder, (laughs) but I just like all the things like that. It's so interesting. And so it's like, I just want little bits here and there. I want to meet everybody that does all that stuff and just get to know it and understand it better. So you are just a wealth of information. I appreciate you being on so much. You really speak very eloquently and perfect guest. So thank you. Um, So if you want to tell people what your YouTube channel is too, and then I'll put it all in the show notes too. Absolutely. Um, You can find me at the Yoga Ranger Studio. You can find me everywhere under the Yoga Ranger Studio. Um, My website is theyogaranger.com. It's the Yoga Ranger Studio with April Walker on YouTube. And the member site is theyogaranger.vhx.tv, which is a private member site. And all of those places you can find me. You can even find me on Insight Timer. If you are a meditator, I do some live sessions there as well under April Walker. And that's where you can find me. Awesome. April, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. And I will definitely be in touch. Thank you so much, Don. I appreciate it. And it was great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Okay, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 